This episode was recorded in 2023. Hello and welcome to Returnity. I'm Letty Gordon-Furs, founder of The Springback Guide. Every week we'll be diving into the pressing need for better support on women's back-to-work journeys after maternity leave. You'll hear real-life stories from working mums where motherhood has transformed their careers and get an inside look at the industry leaders at the forefront of innovating in this space. Ready? Let's go. So pleased to welcome Sarah onto the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Letty. It's lovely to be here. Very excited about today because this is my first business leaders podcast and bubble was a bit of a no-brainer for me but I'm still going to ask the same question that I ask all of my guests which is where are you in the world right now and what can you see in front of you oh goodness me it's deeply unglamorous I am in essentially a cupboard uh in a shared office space I mean really it's a cupboard it's also painted lime green so it's quite aggressive but good for keeping me alert I'm in shared office space in West London, uh-huh. which is where the bubble office is. Okay, brilliant. And secondly, tell me about your family unit and who is in it. So I have three kids and a husband. Uh, my kids are 10, 8 and 5. So all at primary school. I'm totally winning. They're currently all at the same school. Amazing. Uh, and it's a short window of joy, but it is joyful. Both me and my husband work full time. I should also mention we have an au pair who's a big part of our family unit too. Amazing. And does she live with you? She does live with us. Oh my God, um, amazing. I know, I can never, ever let her go. Uh, <laughs> I've had all childcare under the sun during the last decade. And um, I finally, finally, after a decade, I am actually nailing it. So uh, with the wonderful page, but I can, uh, childcare is what I talk about all day, every day. So I'm sure I'll come on to that at length. <laughs> yes, yeah. And oh, I just, I really think that is the winner just to have someone mm-hmm. live with you. But Brexit, Brexit kind of messed that up, I have to say. Yes, it did. She's yes. Australian, so I'm, I'm There okay. you go. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Bubble, it's the right person to be speaking to exactly, given that mm. we're already opening the chat about childcare. So tell me then, what did you do pre-babies? Before babies, I worked in advertising. I loved it. I had a good decade working at top agencies in the UK. I worked in the States for a little bit, worked with really big brands. I worked on a short deodorant for a long time. And then when the States worked on some big global clients like Dell, then came back. And that's when married and started having babies. And that's where things began to shift for me in terms of how I approached my career. And tell me about that shift. Well, I had my first baby and I thought having babies is going to be pretty breezy for me. I'd been, I was someone who was like, <laughs> I know, that made me sound like an idiot. I thought it was going to be hard, but I didn't had no idea how hard I was going to find it. Like hard work, like tiring. Everyone said it was tiring. I, I can, I was like, okay, I'll be tired. But I had absolutely no idea how it would hit, sort of hit me and how difficult I would find it. So I had my first baby and thought I was going to have this thing called maternity leave, which was like this wonderful, like sweet thing where you sort of skipped around coffee shops and and wore pink you know, and you know, I wore pink. Yeah. yeah, I baked. I was going to become. I was going to become so domestic. I was going to start ironing and baking. <laughs> I was going to become this new person who loved all that stuff, and that didn't happen. That very much didn't happen. And I felt oh. very, very. I found it very, very hard. I felt very, very lonely. I, despite having 
all the privileges of family and friends nearby and a husband. So I went back to work actually quite a lot quicker than I thought I was going to, which in some ways was fabulous. But also it turns out everything had changed there as well. And I, again, was just not prepared for the transition to parenthood, which is something I'm sort of fixated on uh, and have done a lot of work around the TED talk about it, run two business based off the back of it, that transition of becoming a parent. So went back and also panicked there and did not have a great sort of return experience. My job title had changed mysteriously. Ooh, oh, so mysterious, yet it happens all the bloody time. Weird. And uh, uh, no one was sort of acknowledging the fact I'd just come back from maternity. It was like, you know, I, I know a lot of people have this on the first day back. Um, it's the first time you might have been away from your baby. And I had a pretty small baby at home and not one person asked like to asked about her or you know want to see a picture of her and you know that was a weird thing for me and 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 not to you know I wasn't particularly like baby brained I wouldn't I didn't want to talk about I was delighted to be somewhere where actually I was more than just Rosie's mum but I still found it weird that it was just not even mentioned it was sort of like slightly I don't know not not talked about like in some ways it was sort of a weird secret that I'd just been away having a baby and anyway particular part of advertising works in was new business, which is actually sort of the extracurricular part of advertising. It's the pitching, it's the fun things you do after you've done all the client work during the day. You get on and do, um, oh, who are we pitching for? You know, the really exciting stuff. I loved it, but it wasn't particularly compatible to being a working parent. So what I did, great tactics, I got pregnant again very quickly after returning to work, um, which was, again, fortunate. And so I was, well, during that maternity, during my second maternity leave, where I was very determined that I wasn't going to find it so lonely. I, I latched onto a friend and the two of us <laughs> set up a business together. So that was when I sort of moved away from working in advertising agencies and went into the startup world, mm. which was very, very exciting. It was pretty naive and clueless, um, but we were, you know, raising money with both of us had two small children under the age of two. We were both <laughs> breastfeeding, <Wow. laughs> pitching. It was fun times, fun times. And actually, um, I wish bubble had been around then because you know childcare was a huge problem at that stage but anyway so that was that was that was kind of my transition uh you know it feels quite a long time ago now my eldest is 10 but it was a hugely important phase in my life where everything changed oh my goodness so much to unpack from what you said I counted the number of times you said hard or difficult in the first paragraph and I think it was five or six so I know that you talked about Mm. people told me that it was going to be tiring I knew I was going to be tired but What was it specifically that you found hard and difficult? Well, I had one of those babies that didn't sleep. Um, Oh, excellent. I I mean, I was was a bit insane. Yeah, me too. It's terrible. And I remember being like a bit delusional. I remember feeling totally out of my depth. I remember fantasizing that someone was going to knock on the door and say you know, you're clearly not coping that well, we should probably take the baby away from you. And thinking that would probably be the right thing to happen. I was just totally floored by it. And like I said, I'm someone with enormous privilege who was able to take maternity leave, who had a husband who I went, who went out to work and I was deeply resentful of, but you know, he was there and I had um, family and all the support and an NCT class, all the sorts, those sorts of very middle-class trappings. And yet I was absolutely not coping. Partly tiredness. Obviously, you know, what happens when we become parents is that our brain does change. And it is an extraordinary transition, both emotional or physical, uh, psychological. You know, it's all these things that are happening at the same time. And yeah, I was totally overwhelmed. I think, yeah, I can't really pinpoint anything. and And I don't like to blame Rosie totally but she really didn't sleep but it's it, you know it's more than that it, it's it's a new role that you take on yeah which I felt utterly unprepared for 
Yeah. And again, there's so much to say, even from what you've just said there, because the sleep deprivation thing for anybody who's had a child who, and you know, everyone says, oh, you know, have you been up at night or whatever? But some people have babies that just don't sleep. Yeah. And my first was definitely one of those kids. And to say that has an impact on you is just the biggest understatement ever. I mean, mm. I would love to see how much better both of us would have coped, let's say, yeah. had we had a few good nights sleep. Yeah, I wish I'd done that night nanny thing or something because I think I would have paid any money to sleep at that stage. It is, it's just, it's a lot. And yeah. I think the transition you go through is is, is extraordinary and, and, and just was very, very unprepared for it. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think the other thing is that just in our society and how mums are represented, I think it's a sort of huge kind of open secret, which is that, you know, you're a young girl, you're a teenager, then you kind of carry on being a teenager in your 20s um, for a while, except you've got slightly more money than you had before. And then it's sort of, it seems for a lot of women that that point of only ever really sort of fully quote unquote grow up tends to be when you have a baby Mm. because then it's like oh my god you know I'm completely responsible for this thing but also society doesn't seem to particularly care you're just sort of told well yeah you had a baby so get on with it you know and it's like but I but how I don't know how that's what floored me. We are designed to have babies. Like people have been having babies forever and ever and ever. <laughs> yeah. And from the moment I got pregnant, I was like, what the hell is happening to me? This is supposed to be what evolution has created me here to, to do. And I very, very sick during pregnancy. And oh, I hated being pregnant. But I was just so confused, confused by it because I was like, this is what we're supposed to do. I should be having the time of my life. I should be feeling so lucky and grateful and miraculous and yet I'm feeling dreadful yeah um so I think that's what really stuck with me this kind of expectation versus the reality yeah I talk about it with so many of my guests but it's the identity shift as well because you know you go to work every day for however many years a decade perhaps like before you even have children and then suddenly what you're doing for eight hours a day has had a bomb dropped into the middle of it. Well, hang on. (laughs) You know, my days and my nights are all running into each other. I don't really know what I, what I've done today. I don't really know what I've done. And it's that kind of lack of achievement. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. So, so many things. Mm. Yeah. Wow. A lot of my experience definitely echoes yours. So you said you went back to work quicker after Rosie than you thought that you would. So how did you originally plan to take off and how long did you end up taking? I was lucky enough to think that my agency had a really generous maternity package and I thought I was going to take a year. Mm -hmm. I ended up going back after six months. I was very keen to get back and try and remember who I was. And it it, it comes back to that identity point you just made. I really was like, who am I now? And I was not coping particularly well at home. So I really wanted to get back and be like, yes, there is there is a person that exists beyond me being a mum. And I very much deliberately said, didn't, don't say just a mum. I think being a mum is the most important thing. It's the most amazing thing. And for those people who do it full time, hats off to you. Oh, I don't know how. It's amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And, and there's some amazing research around this. There's a wonderful psychologist called Dr. Alexandra Sachs in the in the US. And she she calls this sort of phase of 
matrescence, the idea of that the change you go through is equivalent to adolescence, really, you know, the, the hormone shifts, the lack of sleep, the lack of routine, um, the change that your brain experiences is like adolescence and, 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 you know, and think about the mood swings that come with it too. So she talks a lot around the kind of push and pull of parenting, which is something I still think about a huge amount, particularly as a working parent, you know, this enormous pull I have towards my kids when they need me, you know, it's that drop everything moment. And that, that you know, they are, they're mine. They, you know, they're, they're things that, are, uh, that we've created. Uh, you know, I would do anything for them. But I also have this kind of drive to pull away from them. You know, remember that I am a person who loves to do things other than be a mum. You know, all these other roles that we have in life are really, really important. Maybe perhaps, you know, not as important as being a mum, which will always be number one. But there is this enormous amount of push-pull. And I felt it acutely in the early weeks and months of becoming a parent. But I still feel it every day during those times when I'm walking my kids to school and trying to test them on their spellings, but also trying to panic about what I'm going to be saying at the meeting I've got later that morning, you know, all that stuff you have going in your, around in your head. This is the other thing that always kind of blows my mind, which is that if you want someone who's going to get the job done quickly, well, and in a really organized way, do you know what? I would say the demographic you're probably looking for is a mum because the skills that you develop are insane. I absolutely agree. Couldn't agree more. And I think um, I'm someone who kind of grew up as a bit of a swatty person, always the hardest working. I loved working in advertising because we, we worked long hours. We were like, pitch it was like we were there late I was the one ordering the pizzas at 11 p.m I was the one turning <laughs> off the lights at 2 a.m you know I love that stuff I'm, I'm, I, I love working hard I love being committed and doing jobs that I really care about but I am like a hundred times more efficient since having kids um I you know I and I'm so much better at decision making prioritizing just working out where I'm going to make the most difference because mm. every minute in my day has to be accountable has to be worthwhile and I look back to you know my day's before having kids and working out, you know, it's swanning around essentially, like putting off work till later. You know, I just don't do that anymore. And and I see it amongst all the working parents that I work with and I'm friends with. There is a, I was about to say ruthlessness, but I don't think that's quite that makes it sound a little bit brutal. But there is a certain like sense of, you know, I'm here to do the work and I'm therefore a far more effective worker as a someone who's also a parent as well. Absolutely. And there's actually kind of quite a lot of research that backs that up. It comes out of the States mostly, but the, the productivity of working parents, whilst it does ebb and flow, as you can imagine with new kids, uh, new kids, new babies, but over the course of a career, the productivity levels of working parents are higher than that of non-working parents. That's not any way to slam non-working parents, but it is highlight that point. Yeah, of course. And I think that's where actually the way that our workforce is shifting it's super interesting in the space because I think, um, and I know that Britain especially doesn't have, it's not exactly famous for a super productive workforce. And certainly I used to be a management consultant and there was a big emphasis when I was working there on FaceTime. You know, it was be in it be before the client and leave after the client and be there for longer. You know, people are paying a lot of money. They want to see you being there. And I completely understand this. I totally get it. But if anybody can say that they sit down at their computer for 14 hours of the day and all of those 14 hours they are completely focused, it's just nonsense. Obviously, it's rubbish. Of course, of course. But I think a lot of businesses are trying to think more about outcomes and 
what is the end result rather than fixating on, let's say, computer software that tracks how long you're looking at this or looking at this that they can Mm. kind of install in work computers, which I'm not sure I'm that pro really, because I just think, well, people work so differently. Some people don't do anything all day and then they're just insanely productive for the last four hours of the day. So you just think, you know, why can't there be a space for those people if they get the job done? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I I feel like we are moving in the right direction and it's coming a long way, but it's, it's really interesting to think about how we are now more accommodating a different ways of working and of course not every business has, has come on this far and not every type of job is a, a, has this ability but as you're speaking of the mum of kids who are neurodiverse also it's kind of interesting to see the awareness of that that's really increased over the last you know, really kind of couple of years, I would say, and how there is now more allowance made for different people who work, whether that's because they're working parents, whether it's because they might have ADHD or other forms of neurodiversity, or whether it's just because they're a night owl, not a morning person, you know, and I really hope that that's a benefit that was, you know, the COVID, the COVID was a bit of a catalyst for in terms of understanding different types of working. But there is a long, long way to go. And unfortunately, you know, there are it's hard data saying it's just not working well enough, particularly when it comes to diversity and looking at, for example, the gender pay gap numbers, which I look at a lot. And I find it unbelievably ludicrous and depressing that the gender pay gap will not be closed within my lifetime. And I look at my daughters and think, how is that even possible in today that we argue that the gender pay gap sh- should should exist? Uh, well, not that we argue, should, it's just that we're not doing enough to fix it. And an enormous amount of that comes back to exactly all the work you're doing, Letty, but in terms of getting people to return to work yeah. successfully after having a baby. And that's where, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in my day job talking to HR professionals or CEOs who just see the gender uh, equality essentially fall off a cliff yeah. when it comes to that seniority of the kind of early 30s because unfortunately they are not able to support women as they return to work they're not doing enough and even women who return do they return they're returning on much less hours much less money and that eventually means that they are likely to fall out of the workforce mm. completely after a couple mm. of years it's not good enough at all and there are things that employers can do to prevent this from happening. And obviously the one I think is number one uh, is childcare because <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm a bit of a believer that if we fix our childcare system, we can eventually solve everything. Yeah. And I really mean like everything to world peace because I think that when it comes to, you know, having more women in the workforce, having more women role models, you know, these are things that can really shift our whole society. And, um, Absolutely. and unless we're looking after our youngest members of um, our society as well, then, you know, how do we build a better future? So, yeah, childcare is my number one passion when it comes mm. to all this stuff, as well as all the other areas of support. But when it comes down to what enables working parents to work, it's childcare. And we really have to sort out that infrastructure. Absolutely. And it's such a key part mm-hmm. of what I'm like trying to make a thing, which we were talking about before we started recording, which is this whole concept of returnity and making that rather than just talking about, oh, well, the maternity policy is this or, and I mean, you said it yourself, you're at a firm that had a great maternity policy, yet that transition back was really, really tough. And you can have the best map policy in the world, but if you don't acknowledge what has happened, to that employee they have created and nurtured Mm -hmm. life their whole world might have been 
blown upside down. And even just things I was talking to someone the other day about, again, the maternity piece and the fact that your kids, when they first enter a new childcare setting, whether it's, you know, new people, if they've only been with you, often you get so many more illnesses and you're having to, yeah, then you get a complete onslaught of bugs and you're having to drop everything in the middle of the day. And, you know, your boss might be, well, can someone else pick them up? It's like, no, it's, it's, it's just me. That's where organizations like Bubble, I think, are doing really, really amazing things and are really disrupting the space in a really creative and innovative way. But the point that I'm trying to make is that I think the return is just so incredibly underestimated as a way to retain staff and the business case for organizations is huge. It is absolutely huge. Organizations need to understand how much money they are wasting by not cherishing those employees in the right way when they come back and people just leaving in droves. I totally agree, Letty. And I think the work you're doing is so important because when I talk to HR teams, you know, they do say, oh, we've really been working hard on our maternity policy or on our parental leave policy and what we're doing for dads. And you know, the focus is all around those kind of early months when actually the parent is not actually present at work and, and where there needs to be way more focus is in that returnity section. That's where it really gets hard. Like that's where actually things get really yeah. hard. That's where stuff gets real. <laughs> stuff gets real. And having more focus on that return is absolutely vital because that is where, like you say, businesses are draining talent and it is yeah. so counterproductive. And uh, investing in things like childcare, which is not hugely expensive. Uh, in fact, you know, the ROI on investing in childcare, you know, is very obvious. Bubble, we calculate about every one pound spent on childcare, you get three pounds returned. And that's just on productivity, not even on the retention piece and the attraction piece as well in terms of getting more senior wow. talent back. So it's, it is vital to look at that. And it's not just about childcare, although I like to talk about childcare, you know, it's about you know, <laughs> working piece, but coaching, mentorship, the policies themselves you know, are vital kind of as a foundation, but really it's about the culture of organization. It's about people talking about having kids and, you know, leaving for sports days and being noisy parents at work. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, uh, you know, not, not pretending kids don't exist and making that okay. Um, And also making it, you know, okay. Also that you are at work and that you're loving being at work as well as loving being a parent and not having any kind of guilt or shame around that as well. I love, I love that concept of noisy parents. I love that. I've definitely stolen it from someone else, but I think it is important. And and it takes me back actually to that moment we were talking about before. So when I first returned after having quite a short maternity leave with my first, I did feel quite a shame about returning to work earlier. Certainly in my NCT group, I was the first to go back to work. And, you know, there was a bit of kind of, you know, everyone feels a bit defensive about that. And I I look back and, you know, with with forgiveness, but at the time I felt like everyone was sort of judging me for that, that I'd I'd gone back much earlier than I thought. But when I went back to work, I also felt a lot of shame because I was a senior woman. It was a very small agency, but I was the only... uh, sort of senior woman who had kids I was the only senior woman to be honest yeah, and wow. one of the few working mums perhaps the only working mum in the agency but instead of like being proud of that I was pretty ashamed of it and I remember very powerful memories of, of watching the clock from about four o'clock onwards knowing that I had to leave at five on the dot and we were in Oxford Circus and anyone who knows Oxford Circus is like it's a scrum yes it's a oh scrum from five o'clock yeah. it's a scrum so I used to put my trainers on at like 
you know, I think 420, <laughs> I try and get them on just people, it's a cue that people would know. And then, because I know people would come and talk to me and I know that the meetings go and I'd be like, no, I've got to do it five every day. Everyone knows this, but still every day I'd have to reiterate it. But I didn't do it proudly. And I, I would put on my trainers and basically sneak out the door as fast as I could, head down, like, don't talk to me, anyone, because I was leaving like at 4.59 and then literally had elbows out as I sprinted through Oxford Circus in order to get to my childminder on time for six. And then I'd be like, head, no, like, but, you know, it was just, it was such a stressful period. And actually, I wish now that I'd been much prouder of it. And we you know, walked with my head held high out the door at five o'clock and shown people that it was possible to be a working parent. And I still feel a bit bad about that, but also I was knackered and stressed. But yeah, I, I, th- I hope now there are more role models and different ways of working are more visible um, to all mm-hmm. employees. Because one thing that, you know, I think is really important to think about is actually the people who haven't had kids yet. Um, you know, the people who are in their 20s and 30s who are thinking, can I, is it even possible to be a working parent with childcare costs so high, with the stories of women unable to um, support themselves as a, as a parent and have a career? So it's really important to me that we talk about this stuff, we see it around us, we model it, and also we campaign for better childcare. Absolutely. I put it, I think it's on like page one or something of my website where I say it might be that your female returner has come back. They might actually at this point be paying you Mm. the privilege of working there. They're paying you. So it's like, you know, just acknowledging that just appreciating even if it's a business says that you can't do anything about the political system or Mm. you know maybe you don't have the capacity yourself to contribute to childcare costs and appreciate that some some businesses can't I do I understand that totally but it's just acknowledging that and just thinking you know what you know we we really value this person and how can we show them that Mm. even though this is really really hard sometimes people just want to feel heard you know Mm. A word of warning on that point you make around feeling like you're paying to go to work because I've been there and it can make you feel quite resentful and it can be not great for your mental health thinking in that way. And I think there's a couple of things that I would say and when I hear kind of younger colleagues and friends talking around this, I was talking to my sister-in-law about it quite recently, like if you do a straight salary by childcare costs, yes, there probably will be times where that's not an equation that adds up. But You know, you've got to think of it as combined salary as well. I think that's really important just in times of mindset shift. Yes, we think about women as the primary carers, but there's, you know, plenty of my friends who earn more than their husbands and we shouldn't just default to that. So thinking about it, if that's combined income, if you you have a partner. Also, you have to think about it in the long term. You absolutely have to think of childcare as a long term investment. This is about being able to stay in a career. You know, you've got three, four years where those childcare costs are unbearable like eye-watering just just insane but you have to think of that as a long-term investment on your career otherwise you will go mad maybe you'll quit <laughs> probably you're just gonna quit but it, it's a long-term investment in your career and you know there's plenty of studies and I don't have all the numbers off the top of my head but I think for those women who do stay in a career they end up earning about I can't rush it I'm not, I'm not gonna get the numbers it, it wrong but there are you know hundreds of thousands of pounds more long term if you can stay in your career in the short term and it's very very painful and it's very very easy for me to sit here and say this because I was able to afford to do it even though there were times where we as a family were paying an enormous amount for childcare and more than I was bringing in uh, an income but it's it's long-term investment and I'm sort of through to the other side now as I said Letty that all my kids are at primary school and honestly I've never felt richer and after you know it's 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 a total game changer in terms of the amount of income I I have but also I can see now it's been very painful but it has been worth it because I have been able to stay working I'm now have far more flexibility and 
and brain space and really think about my career. And, and I, I'm very lucky I'm in a career I love. But yeah, it, you, you've got to hang on in there. And it's horrible. And actually, there's a woman called Christine Armstrong, who I interviewed ages ago now, probably two years ago. I love that. Uh, Yes, yeah, yeah. So she wrote the book, Mother of All Jobs. And I think I read it after I'd had my first. And I really liked how she positioned it, which is, it's going to be a bit crap for a bit, you know, as in you're going to feel like you are hemorrhaging cash for a bit. And then you're not there is a light, like just keep going, like you will get there. But thinking about it as combined income, I think is a really good point. And actually with my clients, I like to talk about division of labor. So I think sometimes a lot of women clients that I have tend to feel sort of their work isn't as valued. Their work at home isn't valued or rewarded or acknowledged in the same way that their partners is, you know, who's um, still in full-time work. And they think, well, you know, I'm putting all of this effort into this and they're getting all this financial reward and they earn so much more than me and all my money's on childcare, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess it's just really to back up your point, which is because I end up saying to them, look, right now, this is division of labor. You're still on maternity leave. Somebody's got to do it. So if it's not you, it's you're paying for it, you know, right? Mm-hmm. You're paying for childcare or whatever. But this is an ebb and a flow situation here. And he will lean in or she will lean in more at a different time. Like this is just how it is. And the burden is logically on the female to create and grow the life. But especially when they're small, it does just require a bit more from mums. That is how it is right now. But your partner is financially helping to support that whole process. It is combined income. So I think you're so right there, actually, that it's so important how we phrase things. I think language is really powerful. Yeah, I worship everything Christine says. And Caitlin Moran also writes quite powerfully around this in terms of the long-term view on your career. Um, because it's really hard when you're in the trenches. Um, the more kids you have, the longer you are in those trenches. For. <laughs> but actually, I now do see at the other side. Uh, my youngest is in year one and it has been quite liberating. I feel like I've got like a chunk of my brain back, which was constantly trying to figure out the logistics and childcare situation. I also had very complicated childcare situations, which were always going wrong. And, and I feel re-energized by it. I feel like, you know, I'm looking at my career now again and thinking, well, you know, maybe it's my turn now, actually. And my husband's quite conscious of that as well. So that's another debate I often have with my friends. And I, I love your point of view on it, like the kind of taking turns in a career. Can two working parents go full at it uh, at the same time is is something I think is kind of interesting. And, and, Ooh, and the yeah. obvious answer is not without enormous quantities of childcare. Yeah. And even then, it, it's tough. Um, but I like that what you said about the kind of idea of, of, of taking turns in the ebb and flow. Sorry to interrupt. Are you a woman on a career comeback journey or a business looking to empower your female employees during their returnities? Well, let me introduce you to the Springback Guide, a revolutionary digital coaching product that's changing the game for women and businesses alike. Our Springback Guide is designed to help women go back to work feeling happy and confident. It's like having a personal coach right on your phone, guiding you every step of the way. Plus, now here's the real game changer. It costs just a fraction of the price of conventional coaching. No more time consuming and expensive coaching sessions. With Springback Guide, we're putting the power in your hands, right where it belongs. We're not just changing the game, we're changing the way women and businesses consider fraternity. So if you're looking to make your career come back with confidence, or if you're a business looking to empower your female workforce and want to find out more, visit us at springbackguide.com 
or follow us on Instagram at springbackguide and join the revolution today. So this is where we need to get to basically, which is talking about bubbles. So you said that you went into the startup world. So tell me about that. And how did that turn into you being a bubble? On my second maternity leave, I mentioned how I'd found my first maternity leave really tough. So then I, as I mentioned, got pregnant again. So then I had two under 18, well, 18 months gap. So two under two. Oh and my God. I also, like no one told about like having babies in autumn is like, like 10 times harder than having babies in the spring because you can't leave the house the dark you know he was an October baby those days were dark in every way and obviously I had Rosie as well so I had two very young kids and I just had to get out of the house one of those times I went out of the house I basically marched up to another mum in the playground who had a newborn and a small toddler and I said look we we literally are just gonna have to be friends I'm afraid you're stuck with me now like we've got the kids the same age (laughs) obviously live very close together I've seen you in this park twice you're clearly knackered and broken so we became friends out of absolute necessity we ended up creating an app and and launching an app together called Mush, which was the first social app for mums. It was all about social connections for mums. It was sort of the precursor to Peanut, and we were acquired by Mumsnet about three years ago now. We started Mush. We were very new to the startup scene. We raised quite a lot of money and we grew very quickly. Had over a million downloads of the app, created hundreds of thousands of friendships between mums, all based on that stuff I was talking around, that passion of mine around the kind of transition I know you like a wordplay, Letty. So we had a book called The Mumsition, this idea, Ooh, this change you get. And so we did that and had a lot of success doing that. We were backed by VCs, which was a whole other podcast we'll talk about another time. But it meant that the business grew uh, very quickly and it became pretty tough. I had uh, my third baby who was very premature. And at the same time, we were trying to raise Series A. Oh, God. And it all became a little bit too much, to be totally honest. And I was burnt out. And actually, we shared office space, the office I sit in right now, with Bubble. I was one of the first users of Bubble. Uh, we launched Marsh and Bubble within weeks of each other. So we'd had the highs and lows of startup life together. Ari at one point mentioned he had this nice office. We should come and move in. So we had Mush and Bubble were actually like sat next to each other. Very different startups in terms of what they did, but also sharing a lot of the highs and lows of being a venture-backed startup. And, you know, as I said, I, I use Bubble all the time from when they launched. And actually, during the time where I was feeling very burnt out by Mush, Harry had just raised his money and said, why didn't you come and help me run Bubble? Which I did and absolutely have loved doing for the last three and a half years, really growing the app. So Bubble is an app which connects parents with local sitters and nannies. It's very sweet what you said, Letty, about how innovative and creative we are. And I laugh because there's been absolutely zero innovation in childcare, despite it actually being the eldest profession in the world. Like there's no investment, very little innovation in childcare. So actually, I think the beauty of Bubble is how simple an idea it is. It just simply connects parents with local sitters. Those sitters are all vetted and verified by Bubble, but they're also all reviewed by other parents too. So you, you have a huge amount of control and choice as a parent. Bubble is about giving some control back and mm. we provide ad hoc last minute childcare, classic examples of, you know, for working parents when nursery suddenly closed or when you, I, I think the thing that always gets me when you have that missed call, you're in a meeting, you have a missed call from nursery or school and you think, oh, my week is ruined. Whatever they're telling me now, is ruined. The, you know, I may as well yeah. just rip up my calendar. And that's because, you know, there's a chicken pox that's appeared yeah. or it might be hand, foot and mouth or actually it's an inset day and you didn't realise. You know, I've been there. So it's it's it's, it's all those things um, that Bubble yeah. is 
absolutely brilliant at providing that backup care. You know, most of our users, 200,000 parents, um, we have tens of thousands of sitters and you can download the app on the app store. But more and more what we're doing is working with employers, which I think is incredibly exciting because what we found in COVID is that employers were coming to us and saying, like, how, how do we do this? Like they suddenly saw childcare was very, very visible for the first time ever. And it was like, we need to support our teams. Mm. How can we do that? And so, yeah, over the last couple of years, we've really expanded what we're doing with employers and working with really interesting partners like Uber, Vitality, a lot of city firms who invest in childcare for their employees in order that their employees can work. Uh, it's not that complicated. You know, these are, um, we, we use a stat when we're talking about Bubble that is from Harvard Business School that says that eight days a year working parents experience childcare fails. Now, I've got three kids, so I can't really count, but I certainly have eight, more than eight days a year where I think, oh God, what am I going to get? How am I going to get? Oh, yeah. Jesus. I think I had eight days last month. I'm not the only one. Um, So what is really great about Bubble is you can get a sitter very, very quickly. And also, you know, things like flexible working are brilliant, but you can't have flexible working without flexible childcare because suddenly if I need to go in the office a different day, I can get, you know, with Bubble, at least I can get a sitter. Otherwise, it can be quite challenging. So Bubble is an amazing tool for working parents, well, for all parents, but for working parents, I don't really know how anyone manages without it because it does provide that backup what's often called emergency childcare but I don't really like that phrase very much it really is incredible and the thing that's incredible about it is our sitters who are just magnificent teachers nursery workers nannies midwives TAs all sorts of students wonderful people who are waiting on bubble to help you and your family and I couldn't agree more like I don't like that term either emergency childcare because it's a bit like well I mean yes sometimes you do need an emergency childcare but actually I mean, for me personally, I think Bubble was a lot more than that. And I just had somebody come and help three mornings a week, Mm. which was quite a random time, but it was brilliant. And actually, this is the whole origin story for why I'm doing what I'm doing now, which was that work Mm. helped me to feel like myself again and was the first step in doing that. And actually, if I hadn't had the childcare to do that, I don't really Mm. know what I would have done because I was in London. I didn't have any support system down there at that time. So yeah, I I think it's it's brilliant. Why do we think there's been no innovation in childcare? Because it's not like it's a small market. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's a funny one. I uh, roll my eyes as I speak. But no, it's not a small market. It's an enormous market. And uh, as as we know, you know, for most uh, families, they're spending about a third of their income on childcare. That's an enormous amount. But the real the real truth is, it's not interesting for VCs, particularly. And there's again another podcast agenda disparity in yeah, VCs. Yeah, but um, but also, yeah. you know, it's not something that's been prioritised <laughs> by our government as well. And this is an, an, another thing that you know kind of is baffling if you think about it that we invest essentially nothing in early years and we wait until kids get to school. And sort of hope they'll get sorted out then. And actually, 80% of brain structure is in place when a kid starts school. Like it is essentially, I, I don't like using the phrase too late, but it is it is too late once a kid starts school for a lot of the kind of emotional and mental health stuff that happens in the early years. It's already there. And we know more and more study coming out all the time, even though to me it's so obvious that they, if we invest in early years, then everything becomes a much, much easier. We say makes massive savings across, you know, mental health provision, you know, prisons, all sorts of stuff, you know, everything gets better on the early years. But it's one of those things that is, for whatever reason, very hard 
to convey and it's not cool it's not trendy it's not I don't know it's just something that's never really taken off and our nursery system is on its knees I'm sure lots of people know this with their um, and, and yet this is kind of massive disconnect like parents feel like spending all this money on childcare, and yet nurseries can't support it there's absolutely no. systemic problems with our within UK childcare and I actually think government sort of knows this but it's such an enormous job it's a job that requires money but also time and yeah it's split across different government departments there's, there's so many barriers in the way and not helped by the fact that we have a government which is like to change soon so no everyone's in, and, yeah. and been so unsettled for so many years so sorry that's a, quite a long-winded answer <laughs> it's, it's a good answer it's a real like, challenge yeah. and certainly something that I you know really try and and focus on and and, and I am really proud that Bubble does represent the few bits of innovation in the space and whilst it's still you know childcare is always going to be expensive but like you said it the way we we run bubbles you can you pay for exactly what you need so hopefully that makes it much more affordable particularly for the loads of mums particularly but also dads who you know work shifts or freelance or you know in that returner section might be working quite strange hours there is very little provision that can be as flexible as bubble yeah Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more, to be honest. Conscious of time. So I want to make sure I get in my sort of last couple of questions before I have to let you go. But this has been fascinating. I could literally talk about this all day. Funnily enough. Yes. Funnily enough. It's it's like it's both of our jobs. So strange. Anyway, obviously you've been a bubble for three and a half years, but where do you see it going and what are your plans for bubble? So at Bubble, we're very focused on parents and it comes back to that idea that as a parent, you are so many things. Being a parent is the most important, but how can we enable you to be more of those things? So we see ourselves as becoming an app that supports perhaps beyond childcare to other forms of care. And we're already working on, we already offer actually pet care. We look at and have elder care for our corporate partners. So thinking kind of how else we can support parents be all they need to be is how we put it in our vision. There's a huge amount of work to be done in that. And we're very lucky at Bubble. We have an amazing community of parents who are very supportive of what we do, very loyal to us. So we're growing very nicely as a business without having to raise massive amounts of money or to invest in huge advertising campaigns. So we're very happy with where we are as a business and we feel like we have so much to do and we have the resource to do it. So it's a it's a really exciting time for us. And yeah, please do, anyone listening, try out Bubble and share Bubble with your friends because that's how we've grown through that trust of parents and parents telling other parents about us so we really rely on that oh yeah there's nothing like the parent grapevine exactly i wanted to say mum grapevine which is true but i think it's it yeah. more it's increasingly becoming just gen- yeah. generic parent grapevine which is yeah. absolutely how it should be so penultimate question how does being a parent yourself make you better at your job being a parent makes me way better at my job i mean it helps obviously i have a huge empathy with all the parent community who use bubbles so literally my I'm better at my job because I know how to use the app and how the app needs to get better. And what we do. <laughs> yeah. so that, I suppose that's kind of unique to me running an app for parents. But also I am far more decisive. I am more willing to kind of let stuff go. I am much, much less of a perfectionist than I used to be. And I yes, so definitely yeah. a good thing. I used to, you know, really worry and agonize over things, overthink. Now I just do stuff. I used to beat myself up for ages, you know, for ages after, you know, sending an email with a typo in it. Now I'm like, it happens. I don't oh, have time. I don't yeah. have time to do that anymore. <laughs> And things like that. So that makes me better. But most of all, it's about effective use of time and just getting shit done um, yeah. because you have to. And also, I'm a more thoughtful, 
interesting person with kids and and I have interesting kids who have their own challenges and they've given me interesting experiences and I love them for that as well as everything else and I, I think that makes me a better person and therefore a better person at work as well. Oh, great answer. So many things. I was like, yes, yes, me too. Me too. Especially the perfectionist thing. I think you just, you don't have time. It's just like, I don't have the brain space for this. Like I just got to exist and get through each day. So I completely agree with that. And the last one before I let you go is if any sort of HR or people professional is listening to this and thinking about oh you know god well this is just more money i have to put into something what reasons could you give to that organization to invest in this concept of returnity and the back to work and supporting parents to come back to work why should they well i would start by saying this isn't a niche issue so at least a third of your workforce will have kids and a only able to work because of childcare. Like this is like, we're talking about infrastructure and this is not a niche thing, which is only a couple the couple of people that you might see being pregnant every year. That's the kind of visible side of it. This is a much bigger situation and opportunity for HR teams. If they invest in that returnership, if they invest in working parents, they will see enormous returns because working parents are a huge asset to the business. They're also, as I say, just not only in numbers, but also in all the kind of talents they bring. And particularly, I suppose, when it comes to getting senior women and and keeping those in the workforce. And I really do think we need more female leadership everywhere we look. And yeah, and that will only happen if we can retain women, brilliant women. And and, and that that kind of crunch time of returning to work is absolutely crucial for that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, look, it's been so interesting having you on. I'm so glad that you agreed to do this with me. So firstly, thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's been lovely. Thank you. I, 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 all my favourite topics, talking to a lovely person about it. Great. Thank you. Oh, good. I'll take the Fabulous. compliment. But anybody who doesn't know of Bubble, I mean, for goodness sake, go and check them out because they will change your life. But all I wanted to say again, thank you so much. And I just can't wait to see where it all goes because I just think it's something really incredibly exciting what you're doing. Thank you very much for having me. You made it. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Returnity. We hope you found the discussion inspiring and informative. Returnity is about celebrating and supporting women on their back to work journeys. And speaking of support, don't forget about the Springback Guide. It's the innovative and cost-effective solution for women and businesses alike. Empower yourself or your female workforce with confidence and success on the road to Returnity. To learn more about the Springback Guide and how it's changing the way we approach women's return to work, visit springbackguide.com. See you next week.